Hello and welcome to Roshane's episode of The Sketch Therapist, the podcast that improves your sketch life. If you can get past all her moaning and groaning about being rejected, but it has a happy ending. So jump in and listen and see how I got on. I hope you enjoy it. Today is one of those days, I'm afraid. We all have them. I have rather a lot of them. I'm talking about rejection days. Yes, I'm afraid so. So I I called into one of the German discount supermarkets today with a pep in my step. I was going in to buy some instant yeast because I do like to make bread. And I was hoping to buy some strong white flour because we're clean out. Phone dinged just as I walked in the door. And of course, I had to check it. And it was... A message from the Arts Council telling me that I haven't even been shortlisted in my latest application. Nope. So they were going to tell all the the, um, the candidates for this latest grant offering in April, whether they were successful or not. But they decided to give me a pre-rejection to the main rejection, to the, to the, to the big one, the big event. So there I was, rejected before I'd even got to the short list. Short list. Oh my God. Wait, wait till you hear this now. It gets much worse. Am I applying for a grant as a fabulous painter? No. Am I applying for a grant to uh, be trained or mentored by an amazing painter? No. Am I applying for a grant to hire a studio? Wait till you hear what I'm applying for. Or I was. Stopped now. I was applying for a grant that they give uh, artists every year to develop your artistic practice. In other words, I think the idea is that you tell them, I've got an idea, really want to develop it, would like some money so that I can develop my idea. That's all you had to do. And I failed. I couldn't even convince them that I had an idea worth developing. So there you go. And I'll tell you what, guys, it's not the first time, nor is it the second time. I think it is the second time this year alone that I have been rejected by the Arts Council. As my husband keeps saying, would you please stop applying? And he's right. But I I, I don't know why I do it. I suppose I want recognition. I want I want my ego massaged, possibly. Uh, what else? Where else was I rejected? Okay, so last year I was rejected. I think I've spoken about it before in the pod. Last year I was rejected uh, for a submission to a prose magazine, an Irish one. So the Irish don't like me. Um, they just don't. They they don't. The only time I've ever had any success with any uh, application from any Irish body whatsoever was during the COVID pandemic. When you um, there was a a COVID grant for artists who were uh, interpreting the COVID pandemic through art or something like that. I can't even remember in their own way. And they had to have they had to present it in such a way that would reach many people. And as it happened, I had and have a blog um, that was very active. And over the course of 99 days, I published 78 blog posts each illustrated with stuff from my two kilometres, I suppose, or five kilometres, whatever it was at the time. 
Um, and I had just started that when I applied for the grant and I got the money. I got the three grand filthy lucre into my my hot little hands. And that, that was great. It meant an awful lot to me because it, for the first time I felt, wow, my own country recognises me, which is really nice. Because um, as you guys know, I am honoured to be um, asked and invited to various things on the continent of Europe and indeed further afield. But at the end of the day, we all want to be loved by our own country, don't we? And it's just not the case for me in Ireland. It's not the case. And you can look at all the facts you want. You can you can tell yourself you're different, which is true. I am. I am very different. I don't do misery, which is what a lot of the Irish art scene concentrates on, whether it's literature or whether it's art. It's an awful lot to do with bleak, sad misery. And I, I just don't do that because my my mind has 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 long been um has long been <laughs> basically a, a a a seesaw between bleak misery and crazy wild joy. Yeah, I know it's got a name. I know it's got a name, but I don't wallow in any more bleak than I already have. So I don't go there. I just don't go there. And uh, um, my mother and I, just a little digression here. My mother and I have a good laugh because my mum loves bleak. And she loves miserable. And uh, when when there's a movie or something or a book, I say, Mum, you'd love it. Everyone dies. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, Mum, they all they all get sick. In fact, there's a mother with six children and she dies. Oh, would you would you tell me the name of it? <laughs> Whereas with me, it's like there's so many laughs and everybody falls down manholes. Oh, I want to want to watch it. But it turns out that that kind of mentality doesn't get you very far in the Irish art scene and I'm sorry but it can't be because you're not very good at drawing because I am very good at drawing so it, it can't be that and uh and likewise it can't be because you're very good you're not very good at painting because I'm very good at painting I can paint anything I can draw anything so it's just that they don't like me <laughs> that's the only conclusion I'm left with. Oh yeah, the RHA also rejected me earlier this year. Um that stands for Royal Hibernian Academy. And every year they have an open call and you can submit um, whatever you like up to, I think, a metre and a half in any dimension. So I did that. And for the third time, not third in three consecutive years, the last time I applied, I think, was 2017. And I only applied because a friend of mine who is connected with the RHA insisted that I should apply. Um, and I said, look, I don't want to. And he said, come on, you'll be a shoo-in. And I said, no, I've heard that before. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. He said, come on, you'll, you'll be brilliant. They, they'll love you. I said, it's not that. I just, I just don't want to. And he said, come on. I said, but it's expensive. I have to get the stuff framed and I have to, I have to drive all the way to Dublin with it and I have to go back again to collect it when it's been turned. I said, no, no, come on, apply. And I was turned down. So I was not a happy camper at the time. I was not. And I have applied to show in galleries and I'm always told, please go away. We don't want you. And that's the way it is. And, oh, and sorry, I hadn't even mentioned all the publishing houses I've approached over the years. And they all tell me to go away. And that's when they bother to respond to my emails at all. Um, and people I actually work with currently, I'm pausing because I am very tempted to mention names but I suppose I oughtn't. Let's just put it this way. People I have worked with successfully don't answer my emails. 
They don't answer my WhatsApps. No, they don't. They don't want to talk to me. They don't want to talk to me. So how in the face of all of that great big heap of rejection, how do I still have the unshakable confidence that I have? I don't know. It's like my hair colour. It just isn't going to change. Actually, that's a bad example because I'm going grey. But, okay, it's like my colour of my eyes. It's not going to change. Again, my liver. <laughs> my liver's fine. My liver's fine. My eyes, my, the whites of my eyes are nice and white. But yes, it is true that I have unshakable self-confidence and I really don't know where it comes from. I think it might be just one of those things that you're born with. It could possibly have been the fact that Paddy Morin, that's my father, has always told me that, you know, I'm basically the gift to the world. <laughs> and I've always thought my dad's pretty cool. So, you know, I always figured, well, if my dad says so. Look, it's true that what your parents say to you does make a very big difference to your your lifelong confidence but by rights, I shouldn't have the confidence that I have. Now, my dear son, Paddy, named after my father, yes, he was just reading out a few clips from the War of Art, I think it's called. And he keeps telling me I should download it and read it and I will. Now, I was very cross when I got the message in the German discount retailer and I threw a message, a very angry message into the into my family group chat. And my dear husband was very quick to tell me, um, in no uncertain terms where all these people can go. But that doesn't really help. And he said then, you're lean and hungry, Ro. There's nothing lean about me. But anyway, he said, you're lean and hungry. And then Paddy chimed in with, oh, well, I'm fat and hungry. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm fat and hangry. Because <laughs> I am, I'm a bit fat. And, 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 and I was hungry and I was angry. So I was fat and hangry. Um, and by way of cheer me up, Paddy read out a few passages from the war of art and and he, he he couldn't he kept reading out the wrong passage because he couldn't find the bit he was looking for because it was an audiobook but he it was basically along the lines of if you're a professional all that matters is the work you keep working you keep working whether you're rejected or whether you're accepted you keep working it's the work that matters it's the fact that there's an oak tree on the way to my local village that I I am dying to draw before it starts bursting into leaf because I, I have to do it. It's it's shape, it's colours, it's it's values. The fact that it's full of little rooks' nests rearing the children like like an apartment block. I think I've also mentioned that in the pot. But it's I'm dying to do it. It's and I'm trying dying to do it in the right way. I'm I'm thinking about how it's supposed to be done. Everything I do as an artist, I think about how best to do it and and why why that scene, why that composition. It 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 all it all means so very very much to me. If you're professional, you just keep on doing it. You regard success and failure as the imposters they both are. And you must see it that way. It's only an ego trip to want to want to have, you know, plumos, that's Irish for, you know, praising, like overpraising. It's only an ego trip. And if you really are confident in yourself and your ability, don't pay any attention to all of those people. And aren't you the one that sees the fault in their art and in their writing? Well then, well then, if you are, 
Why would you want to be in their club? Do you remember what was it Groucho Marx who said? I don't want to be a member of any club that would have me. Okay, I think I've defeated my argument here. But I don't want to be a member of any club that would have some of the people that I see in them. And, you know, I'm sorry. That's the way I feel. Little after that message came in with the big fat rejection and not even being made, made, making it to the shortlist to even develop my ideas. OK, so I hadn't even fully developed them yet, but I wasn't even going to be allowed to get near the development stage. Well, they weren't going to give me any money for it anyway. I that was at about three o'clock and at five o'clock I got a, a very lovely tweet from a very lovely woman and she said, I've just discovered your podcast. I am obsessed. And I wrote back, you are so sweet. I said, I've just been rejected by the Arts Council today. I said, so your timing is spot on. And she made me feel so much better. She made me feel so much better with that one line. But it still has no bearing on what you do. Whether people love you or whether people don't love you or hate you. I'm struggling with the word, but I have to say it. Whether they love you or they hate you. You've got to do your thing, whatever that is. As a writer, I will never be accepted except by the people who read my work, dare I say it. But the people who decide, they don't write me. The ones who have magazines and whatever. Although I did publish three books. So I suppose there are three lone warrior publishers out there in the world who liked me enough that they decided to put their money and back me. But then again... You see, here I am telling myself, oh, well, this is because my drawing's really good. It's not because of my writing. But, you know, I have had people say, I don't know what's better, your writing or your drawing. And comments like that mean a lot to me. And yet they are imposters. They are imposters. All that matters is the truth. That is all that matters, whether it's in writing or whether it's in drawing and painting. All that matters is the truth. And all that matters is your truth. Because we all see things in our own way, with our own eyes, which is why it's so magic. And don't, for the love of Mike, do not fall into the trap of producing art because it sells. Now, I know I'm in a position of privilege. I don't have to do that. I always say if one of my kids needed medical treatment and it was going to cost an arm and a leg, by golly, I would be making art that was guaranteed to sell very flipping fast. I would make as much miserable art as the public wanted. And I would say, you want more misery? You got it. I would do it. I would do whatever they wanted. But I, we, as artists, we've all seen people repeat themselves, repeat themselves, repeat themselves, repeat themselves once they've found a formula that works. They sell their soul in the process, but they get a good price for it. So, you know, I'm no one to judge. They pay their bills. <sighs> this won't be the last time I'm rejected. Far from it. And I will go on responding to the world around me as I see it through words and through pictures. For good or for bad. And I hope you'll be there to enjoy it with me. There is a positive aspect to the whole segment of miserable, sad rejection stuff going on here. You know, it's funny how the universe takes away with one hand and gives with the other. 
and that's what happened to me after I got rejected um, by, who was it? See, look, I've already forgotten. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right, it was. I wasn't even shortlisted for the, uh, for the artist development thingy blob. So that very day, I was listening to a podcast. Podcasts are great, just saying. I was listening to a podcast, which is really wonderful and I highly recommend it. And it's called Freakonomics. And it is the same people who wrote that book 25 years ago, I think it was, something like that, called Freakonomics. And Freakonomics Radio is brill. It's full of really interesting takes on, I don't know, economy, economics, Freakonomics, whatever. Um, kind of like all aspects of the world. So there you go. All aspects of the world. There's a broad category, if ever there was one. Um, and they discussed this particular artist and a few other things. And the episode is called Be Tacky. Um, and the, this artist was discussed and she found herself okay she was in art college now I've been to art college so I know what the vibe is the vibe is it's very po-faced it's very serious um I think I mentioned at some point that um you have to do stuff that's probably well certainly very serious you can't do frivolous and you can't do you can't do light and you can't do certainly can't do happy god forbid you should do happy um and this girl this woman in her 20s, she was concentrating on portraiture and I don't think she was loving it, but maybe that wasn't a factor. I'm not sure. But either way, she found herself very drawn to the works of Fragonard. Now, I don't know if you are, if you're already aware of the artist in question, because she she's she's well, I won't tell you what she is just yet. So she was very drawn to the works of Fragonard and you might be if you if I mention this painting, it's very famous, you might be aware of it. It's either called Girl on a Swing or The Swing, I'm not sure. And it it's it's a beautiful blousy Rococo painting of a girl in a very frilly silk dress. And I think you can I haven't seen this painting for a long time. But in my memory she's up high on a swing. Um you can see her petticoats and she's being pushed by a gentleman and I believe it's a little bit naughty. I believe there might be a man in the bushes watching this girl be pushed high up into the air on a swing. I should probably check that before I start, you know, spreading this, 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 this lewdness, this lewdness around the place. And this type of painting is very romantic and is very rococo and it's very blousy and frivolous and so on. And it has fallen or it had fallen out of favour in the modern era in which we find ourselves because it's not serious and it's a little bit peeping Tomish. It's not serious. But this young artist, her name is Flora Yankovic. I'm not sure of her surname, but anyway, her name is Flora. And Flora found herself very drawn to this painting and to others of that particular style. And she was well aware that it was regarded as very kitsch and not very sophisticated. But it was her guilty pleasure. She loved this work. She loved it so much that she would print it out and stick it on her walls in her open plan studio where she had to work in full view of all her classmates. Personally, I don't know how they can make them do that because, you know, you've got to create with the door closed. And then don't they say about writers, write with the door closed and then edit with the door open? Well, it's the same with being a painter. You have to paint with the door closed and then you can exhibit with the door open or whatever. 
But you do have to go through the personally, in my personal opinion, I think you do have to go through the, the raw creative process with the door closed. Otherwise, you wouldn't feel like you could be yourself, you know. You have to have privacy. Anyway, they weren't afforded this kind of privacy. So everybody could see her guilty pleasure of this this romantic blousiness everywhere. And eventually the years went by and she was very much slated, I think, although again, sorry, haven't done my research. I'm not sure about that bit. Um, But she decided eventually she had the confidence to say, do you know what? I actually love this stuff, this Rococo blousiness, this frivolity. I love it. I love the colours. I love the cupids. I love the frills. I love the silks. And I am going to take my inspiration from this loveliness. Now, she did choose to go fully abstract. Well, I don't know if you call it semi-abstract because you can make out cupids lying around in the place. So maybe it's not fully abstract. But she decided to make these very, very large paintings of this very lovely stuff. And she um, she she now sells her work for vast sums or galleries do it for her. Now, this, I'm not saying this is going to happen to me. It's not. We, we've established that. <laughs> I should know by now <laughs> that really this is not going to happen. However, the point being, she decided to follow whatever she felt like doing. Mm-hmm. She did. She broke free of the mould. She broke free of what she was told was good and what was right and correct for an aspiring artist. And she didn't follow the crowd. She went with her own thing. And I think you should look her up. Flora, something beginning with Y. Put in Flora and then her surname beginning with Y and she'll come up. She's pretty high up on the thingy. And her surname is kind of Russian or Eastern European or something like that. So you won't you won't mistake her and have a look and see what you think. I I love it. I think it's great. It's massive. It's blousy. It's colourful. And I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Now, where was I going with this? So she and others like her have embraced the tack. They've embraced the schlock, the uh, the kitsch. And they've just said, you know what? This is what we do. This is what we like. Um, now, um, I'm not making a case for saying that my stuff is schlocky or tacky or kitschy. It may well be. It may well be. But I shall continue to follow what I love, backed up by the likes of Flora and the other people who do tacky. Yeah, they're backed, I'm backed up by them. Now, I don't know they're backing me up, but they are because they just did what they wanted. And you know what? Successful or not successful, you may as well do what you want. Because you only get one chance at it. So do what you want. I'm going to go on painting my octopuses, my baby octopuses. Yes, that's what I'm doing. And I don't care. I don't care. Maybe they'll develop. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll remain absolute verbatim renditions of baby octopi. Maybe they will. And maybe they will turn into vast canvases of, I don't know, krakens? Something from the deep? Who knows? Who knows? That's what I want to develop, Arts Council but I'm going to develop it anyway. Don't need their money. Don't need it. They can keep it. Well, actually, I wouldn't have minded it, to be honest. But look, we'll leave it at that. And um, yeah, so let's all be tacky and let's all do what we want and divil take the opinions of those who would say nay. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where I was going with that one. So yeah, let's all be tacky.
At the start of the episode, I told you a little bit about, you know, uh, being compelled to draw certain subjects and certain things. And, you know, I'm a die the amazing artist that I think about these things all the time. Well, I finally got round to drawing the oak tree that I mentioned that had been on my mind so very much. Now, the only problem with the oak tree that I wanted to draw is that the best view to draw this oak tree happens to be driving along in your car along the road. OK, not pulled in. Uh, not that there's anywhere to pull in, really. So you can see this wonderful oak tree sticking out from the from the from behind the, the, the tall castle wall where it lives and leaning over onto the road. So gorgeous, so beautiful, so oak tree-ish. Unfortunately, the only place where you can pull in in a safe way to draw it is from a position that, I don't know if the oak tree looks particularly amazing. I mean, it looks nice. It's an oak tree, but it doesn't have that magic, that magical, that magical habit that it does from the bits where you can't stop to draw it. But not to be thwarted, I decided to give it a try anyway. And I pulled in and I got sketching and it was really raining. Now, I did manage to make a YouTube um, of myself drawing the tree. So you can see it on my YouTube channel, which, by the way, I encourage you to subscribe because here's the good news. My growth on YouTube, whilst not, I would say, galloping, it's a heck of a lot faster than it's ever been on any other platform. So I'm very happy about that. And I would love to see you join the ranks of people who like to watch videos of people sketching and all kinds of stuff that go with sketching. So anyway, there I was pulled in looking at the tree and the thing about the tree was I really wanted to capture it before it burst into leaf and it was already beginning to get a little bit buddy at its tips and that was only two days ago and it's far more buddy now and I knew it would just go crazy once it started so I had to do it even though it's pouring rain oh yes about the pouring rain and about the YouTube I wanted to say something about that I'm really sorry about the brevity of the views of the castle that is on the grounds of this particular oak tree that I like so much. Because, again, the only view you have of the castle without sort of hopping over the wall and into the field is 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 driving along the road. And it happens to be, the best view happens to be at a very, very bad blind bend. So you take your life in your hands to thrust your phone out the window and take a shot of the castle from the road. It, it's probably illegal to, to, to take shots driving along. I'm sure it is. And even if you're driving very slowly on a blind bend, you run the risk of somebody not knowing you're there and crashing into you and you looking too hard at your subject and not looking at the road and having a crash. So all I got was, get this, 0.2 of a second's worth of video of the castle. And I had to slow it down to as slow as the speed could possibly be. And it still is only, well, I don't know, one second long. So I apologise for that. And I'm sure if you stick with me, there'll be plenty of beautiful views of the castle, of Kilcolgan Castle, um, as the weather begins to dry up. I could have hopped over the wall and taken a better shot if it hadn't been pouring rain and I was not inclined to get absolutely drenched. So there you go. There you go. That's why you only have the merest glimpse of the castle. Now, I did make a slight effort and I drove to the other side of the river and I took a small short video of the castle from the other side of the river. But again, it was pouring rain. And whilst the trout and salmon that lay between 
where I was doing the filming and the castle itself were no doubt in raptures of happiness and contentment with all this heavy rain. I wasn't. I just straightened my hair. And anybody who straightens their hair knows that if it rains upon your hair when you've just straightened it, you ain't going to have straight hair no more. You're going to have frizzy hair. And I didn't want that to happen. It was only freshly done. So I didn't want to hang out and get my phone soaking wet and my hands all frozen cold and my hair in a big frizz. So I apologise. Well, I not apologise. I explain. I explain why you've got such brief shots of the castle. But back to the oak tree and why I was so keen to sketch it. It's It was the nests. It was the rooks' nests that lay in 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 absolute glory like a like a series of apartment apartments in a multi-story where everybody knows each other and everybody gets on fine and they've all agreed that this is a great condo to build their homes in um and raise their families there's a real family vibe from um all the nests that are sitting there on the tops of the boughs and i suppose that's what attracted me as much as anything else i love the shapes of the oak tree limbs they're fab but I really love the nests and I really love the way the rooks are all black and every now and then they return to the nest with a big twig in their beaks or you can see them hopping in and out of their nest no doubt giving I don't know a lizard or a worm or something I don't think a worm's going to cut it with these baby rooks because rooks are huge so maybe they go and grab lizards I don't know what rooks eat maybe they go and find carrion actually I think rooks like carrion anyway they they're very successful because there's loads of rooks around here. Loads. And I like the noise they make. I do. I like the noise they make. So I pulled out my car and I happily drew this beautiful oak tree that has got curving and bending boughs. And each ends in this little kind of a brush shape of twigs, each with a little tiny dot of a brand new bud on the tip of each twig. So it looks gorgeous. There was an awful lot of Algae, not algae, moss. There was a lot of moss growing on the on the branches of the oak tree. Um, and I didn't have my granulating green with me. I, there, I'll explain why in the next little section. But I didn't have it with me and I'm sorry I didn't, quite frankly. I'm sorry I didn't. I used burnt sienna mixed with sap green and it did approximate well to the colour of the moss on the trees but if I'd had my granulating green lads if I'd had my green appetite genuine or my Aquarius green I am telling you my goodness I would have knocked it out of the park so um so you can see for yourself you can check out my little YouTube and you can see for yourself because I am going to highly recommend granulating greens in Aquarius green by Roman Schmal or green appetite genuine by Daniel Smith or one of the lovely granulating greens from Schmincke. More on that in a second. So that's what I did. Um, I remembered in the nick of time to put a little bit of sky on before I started painting the tree. And to put a little bit of sky on, you do it in the usual way. You put clean water onto the area that you want sky on, leaving lots of wide gaps for the clouds. And then you mix up a skyish, cloudy, threatening cloud colour Something like uh, very, very dilute paints. Grey would do the trick, mixed with a tiny bit of magenta or maybe a tiny little bit of burnt umber, even if it's a really dirty looking day. And you drop it into the water that you've put onto the page and then you let it dry. You don't sort of pull it around the place with your brush. Just let it sit there and dry. And if you get to it before it's completely dry, just add even a little bit more colour onto the bottom of each cloud and you'll find it works really, really well. 
Other than that, the only thing I can add is that when the green paint was dry on the branches, I found that the addition of some black ink, because I drew the oak tree in brown ink, Diatramentus document brown. But if I reserved the black ink for the spots where the shadows were very dark, when the branches twisted and turned towards me, then that, that gave a much better effect. Likewise, blackening up the rooks. I did draw the rooks in brown ink, but then once I was more or less pleased with them, not that I could have done anything about it if I wasn't, but once I was more or less pleased with them, I waited for the brown ink to dry and then I went over their little bodies in black ink. So you get this lovely stark effect of the rooks hanging out in the top parts of the tree. Not a lot to add, really, except that I, for the buds, I just did tiny dots, like literally dot, 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 dot with my with my foodie pen. And by the way, I highly recommend a foodie pen for this drawing because you need a nice, sinuous, curving, smoothly flowing line. A couple of the students in class, when we did this in class, found that their pens were a little bit, um, not, not, not halting exactly, but they weren't running very smoothly. So you do need to make sure your pen is is operating smoothly. Another of the students actually put in a tip into the group this morning. She said that a little bit of bicarb and a little bit of vinegar in a solution and then drop the um, drop the business bit of the pen into it and let it sit there for a couple of hours and then keep rinsing it until the ink is all rinsed out. She said that worked a treat. So I'm going to try that with my food pen because I, I do find my black ink doesn't flow as it might not sure why the black is worse than others. I, I use the carbon platinum ink for black because I'm used to using it and I know that it flows well. But there you go. That's the that's the that's the color ink that I have issues with. Anyway, I hope you get out and draw some trees of your own. And I will add that your hand will get used to the shape and habit of a given tree species because they're not going to change from tree to tree. You, even though each tree is unique and different and each branch is doing its own thing, I still maintain that they, well, I don't maintain, they just do. They do have their own look and their own shapes and their own way of branching literally off. So you will get used to that, whether it's an ash tree or an oak tree or a beech tree or whatever. And they're all so distinctive. So if you live in a place with a similar climate to my own, which is basically Northern Europe, get out there and get those trees in before they burst into leaf because once they burst into leaf well you won't see the nests and you won't see the you won't see the curl the curving twisting branches as well and you know what it's a very zen hour you're going to spend sitting there drawing the tree you do need a lot of patience because the twigs are endless but i'm going to wager that you'll enjoy it give it a try little thing to add for you before I leave you. I was pulled into the side of the road and a man pulled up, a little beep on the horn, beep. And I rolled down my window and I said, yes. And he said, um, are you okay? Are you, are you all right? Are you broken down? I said, no, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for asking. You're very nice. He said, are you sure you're okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much. He said, are you sure though? Are you sure you're grand? You're not broken down or anything? I said, no, no, actually I'm uh, drawing this oak tree. And uh, it's raining now, so I have to stop. And he went, OK, OK, but if you're sure. And I said, I am, I'm fine. <laughs> People are very nice. That's Kilcolgan Castle in Kilcolgan, County Galway. And they are the owners of the oak tree. Well, as you know, this podcast is all about sketch therapy. 
therapy of a <laughs> therapy of a sketchual nature. And I'm sorry to say that I did not have a good therapy session when I was sketching the other day. I had gone into town with a specific location in mind and I had a specific purpose for the resulting sketch that would ensue. Now, I broke my golden rule and the golden rule is this. When you're drawing, don't go too far from the bit you've just drawn. Otherwise, you risk losing your place, um, under or overestimating the dif- the distance between your lines, getting lost, getting lost. I got thoroughly lost and I was very tempted to scrap it. And then I thought, no, 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 just finish it off, finish it off. And it got worse and worse and worse. Well, it didn't get worse, but it didn't get any better. And eventually I decided to give up. And at that point, two sweet American chicks uh, stopped and said to me, oh, my God, I couldn't help but notice your drawing. And it's just so beautiful. And I said, thank you very much. You're very kind to say so. And I didn't say you're all so wrong. It's awful. <laughs> but I didn't. I just said, thank you so much. You're very sweet. And then her friend said, oh, my God, it's awesome. Oh, my God. So I thought, mm, maybe if the girls think it's awesome, maybe I should just finish a little bit. So I did a little bit more. And whilst I think finishing a sketch is always a good idea, I don't think it was much better, really, than when I started. Because I had broken my rule. I had broken my rule of drawing in a spiral, close to where the point you've started was and going further and further from that initial point, never straying too far from the last mark you've made. So don't do that. Now, a few days earlier, I had been in the same place. Oh, there's also the possibility that you get two sketches of one certain place. And then if you try to do a third from the same table, same spot, same view, same subject, maybe it's not going to work for you. I don't know. I don't know. Certainly when I do Tyrone House, I do a different view every time, or at least I try to, or a different season or something. I try not to, I try not to uh, overdo the same, the same viewpoint too, too many times. So anyway, the second time I'd done this particular view, it had worked out rather well. It had worked out rather well. Now it wasn't amazing, but it was nice. Good colours, good balances, good values, good subject matter, can't beat cakes hard to beat them. Now I did get my coffee cup. Now coffee cup was fine. Croissant was fine. But I got the table that my coffee cup and my croissant were sitting on. I got that kind of wrong. No get away from it. You know, it's just wrong. So I am not sure what I'm going to do with the resulting sketch because I am looking for a sketch at the moment to illustrate my little box of paints that is going to come out with Schmincke. Uh, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. It needs to be very much an urban sketch because that particular set that I of colours that I've come up with is very much an urban sketching set. So I mentioned earlier that I was sorry that I had not brought my granulating colours with me when I was drawing the oak tree, and that is the same. That is the for that for the same reason that the urban sketching set that I've designed. Sorry, let me start again. The reason the urban sketching set I've designed works so well for an urban sketching situation is the same reason that it doesn't work so well for a natural situation. And that reason is that natural situations respond very, very well to sludgy, muted, granulating colours. Urban sketching situations respond very well to electric, bright, beautiful, intense colours. Now, that's not a rule that applies across the board. But it, 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 it is to some extent valid, I think. 
I think. I do like those bright, those pops of bright colour that you get in an urban setting. So this the set that I've designed has got some beautiful, really intense and bright colours. Not so much with the nature sketching. Those colours tend to be, well, more natural, literally more natural. And the second time I'd done that scene, it worked quite well, as I say, not amazing, but quite well. However, there is something I want to tell you about that is really rather magnificent. Now, the bold people at Schmincke, the good people at Schmincke, they have come up with a set of super granulating colours that I have discovered since I spoke about them before. I think I mentioned them last week. I have since discovered that they are merely a blend of different colours in the granulation range from Schmincke. They have blended super granulate, they have blended granulating colours and come up with super granulating colours now for you. So they have this set called the Urban set, I think, of super granulating colours. And I think that it is marvellous. I think it's marvellous. It consists of the five of the strangest colours that you are likely to come across. Um, they're urban grey, urban brown, urban green, urban red and urban yellow. And I discussed them in a recent YouTube video. So there's another reason to go and look at my YouTubes. Um, and I went to a cafe with my good family and I sketched in the cafe. And I only used those colours that I mentioned. I only brought those five colours with me so that I'd be forced to rely upon them and upon no others. And I think that the ensuing palette is very interesting. I do. I think it's very interesting. It is most strange and unusual for me to not have bright colours at my fingertips. But I really, really enjoyed it. There's something quite exhilarating about not having the right colours to hand and having to make the most of what you have. So you won't get any pinks from this particular range of five colours. You won't get any strong blues. In fact, there's no blues. There's urban grey. That's as blue as it's getting. You won't have any... Well, you could have black, I suppose, if you mix urban brown with urban grey. And of course, these colours aren't real colours. They're not real pigments. They're just blends of other colours. But they work really well because they do super granulate and they do leave all kinds of strange stuff on the page as they dry. You know, it's a bit like the tide going out. It leaves kind of like salty patterns on the sand sometimes or it might leave bits of shells or something like that. Well, that's kind of what the super granulating colours are like. Once they dry, it's like the tide going out. Now, how's that for a nice analogy? Now, I know that I have, um, I think, I'm not 100% sure actually, been engaged by Schmincke to promote their paints but I am very happy to promote these colours regardless because I think they're super and I would use them anyway. I'm talking about the super granulating ones. So you can get these urban this urban set in a set of five five mil tubes. So there's a mouthful. The set of urban sketching urban set consisting of five times five mil tubes. Hmm, not sure how clear that is. Anyway, get yourself the urban the urban set with five little tiny baby tubes. They are as sweet. They are as dinky as you can possibly ask for. And squeeze a little bit into a half pan and let them dry. Give them a few days to dry and really a few days because I had an awful mess with one of my sets of squeezed, pre-squeezed paints because I didn't wait for 
the one of this one of the paints to dry properly the deep sea black so i now have got glacier green mixed with deep sea black i have uh i think volcano brown mixed with deep sea black I certainly have deep sea violet mixed with deep sea black because it ran into all the other little pans and I'm very annoyed at myself. Luckily, it didn't run into any of my urban set colours. So, phew. But I highly recommend that you get yourself one of these little sets. Um, I did think at first they were kind of expensive, but you can get them for not too bad, to be honest. You can get them for not too much money. So give that a try and see how you get on and... uh, very, very unusual way to, to work. Not having skin tones, not having tons of things. It's kind of almost like working in black and white, except it's not quite black and white. I know that doesn't make sense. But I do think that you should treat yourself. I think you should treat yourself and I think you should get yourself a little set. I'm looking forward to my next time using it, even though I'm spoilt for sets of paints at the moment. I'm looking forward to getting out there the next time giving that another whirl. So there you go. I'm not quite sure what the point of that segment was. Uh, Draw in a spiral. Don't draw too far from the line you've just drawn. And get a set of urban, (laughs) urban, super, whatever, super granulating colours by Shaminka. Mm -hmm. There you go. (laughs) Two bits of useful advice. Well, I hope they're useful advice anyway. And uh, yeah, we all need to treat ourselves once in a while. So treat yourself. Yeah, I recommend them. Before I leave you, because we are at that sad part of the episode when things must be wrapped up. Before I leave you, I would like to direct you once again to my YouTube channel where I am sharing my little world with you. Now, that's not to say that all of my YouTubes are fun and fabulous and, you know, really, really professional and everything because they are not. They are very much not. However, I recently heard a quote that it said, you must be a disaster before you're a master. And I think that's a lovely, lovely quote to hear. Okay, so that's that's where I'm coming from these days, man. Got to be a disaster before you're a master. So if you will come along with me for the ride as I try to become a master of YouTubing, then I shall be very grateful. And I shall be even more grateful if you throw your top and halfpenny my way and comment on what you've seen and what your thoughts are because it's all a little bit of fun and not too serious and it's all great crack and you never know you might pick up something about sketching from life which as you know is what I am all about that and baby octopi now I remain uh, ever encouraging of you to consider joining me for a workshop in person de vero Um, in real life we have uh, the June bank holiday weekend that's the first weekend in June that's going to be in Kilvara in County Galway it's going to be lovely it's good weather at that time of year usually then that's the um, Sunday and the Monday of the bank holiday weekend the Irish bank holiday weekend I'm not sure if it's a bank holiday weekend anywhere else then this is the first week in June then we have the first week in July I think it's the 4th, 5th, 6th and 7th in Dunmore East in County Waterford I'm very excited about that that's with artform.ie I can't wait for that one then we have two weekends in August 
two consecutive weekends in August, the last two weekends in August, in in Galway, Galway City. I did that last year and we had a ball and they are kept very small and very intimate. So you'll get lots of attention. Then we have the first week, sorry, the last week in September. So that's the Wednesday, Thursday and Friday of the last week in September. And we're going to do Georgian Dublin architecture and can't remember the other part of the, can't remember the other, um, um, I, something. Anyway, it's the architecture of Georgian Dublin. I had a title for it, so it was quite snappy, but it couldn't have been that snappy because I've forgotten it. Um, and that's going to be three days. And, the, and also Dublin is quite nice at the end of September. And hopefully into the beginning of October, because the following week, we have the Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, first week in October. And we're going to pretend to be 19th century naturalists. And we're going to concentrate that workshop in the... Uh, Natural History Museum in Dublin City and we're going to have great fun trying different ways of depicting animals. We're going to try all kinds of approaches. I'm really excited about that. We're going to really get free and messy and sloshy and probably won't end up being remotely 19th century-ish about it because they took their science very seriously but we'll do a bit of that too. We'll do a bit of that too. So those are all available to book on my website. Not the Kinvara Plein Air one. That's, I'm not doing the booking of that. That's um, Go to Kinvara Plein Air and you'll find it and then the other one was Artform go to artform.ie and you'll find find it there and I don't think I've anything else to add uh, well just you know as usual I want to thank you for being so supportive I really really appreciate it and I especially appreciate it in the light of all these dreadful rejections by people who don't appreciate tack when they see it they just don't appreciate tack no or kitsch no they don't so let's all be kitsch and tacky together and hopefully um but you know what the funny thing is i'm not at all kitchen tacky in my sketches so uh huh. don't know what i don't know what went wrong there i don't know what went wrong either way i hope that you get out into the lovely spring weather and i hope you enjoy a little bit of sketching and uh yeah try those urban sketching paints that i mentioned they're fab don't try my schmink set of colors yet because I've been told by Schmincke that they don't know the production date yet, so I'm not really supposed to talk about it. So don't think about it or talk about it. And um, whatever you do, get out there and, uh, well, you know what I wish you? As always, I wish you a happy sketching.